So the title of the message today, uh, we're continuing. Last week uh, was the coming storm, days of Noah. And I wanted to go ahead and continue uh, in that direction. So the title of the message today is the coming storm, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's based on Revelation chapter one, verses one uh, through three. I'm still not decided if I'm going to go just preach through the whole book of Revelation. I think that's the direction I'm going, or I may just pick out uh, certain sections to preach through. I'm still praying about that and trying to decide which way to go. But I am very excited to be getting into the book of Revelation. It's something I've really uh, been thinking about preaching on for a long time. It's a book that I've studied quite a bit uh, and that I'm actually fascinated with. So I'm very excited uh, that we can um, get into uh, this book. I'm just not exactly sure how I'm going to go through it. And the reason that is, is, is anybody that's followed me for any amount of time knows that, uh, like when I preached the book of John, it took about three and a half years. Uh, Ephesians took a long time. Malachi is a short book. It didn't take that long. Uh, but it is a commitment when you decide to dive into one of these books. And so I'm deciding if I'm going to preach it expositorily or just uh, hit certain points that I think we need to discuss uh, based on the times in which we live. So let's look, before I get into the scriptures, though, I wanted to just give a little bit of an introduction. Like I said, there's going to be a series of sermons. This is the second one uh, that are called The Coming Storm. Last week was The Coming Storm, Days of Noah. Today is The Coming Storm, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're looking at uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. One mistake people commonly make with this book is they call the book of Revelation, Revelations, plural, and that's incorrect. It's, it's Revelation. John was given one revelation uh, that was just this vast, amazing, mind-blowing image uh, from the Lord. So it's the book of Revelation, singular. Uh, it was written, it's believed, around 95 AD. So if you figure... Christ was uh, crucified and he was resurrected around 33 AD. This was 60 something years after that event. So very close to the event of Christ uh, dying on the cross, being crucified and then being uh, resurrected and ascending. Uh, we're about 60 years after that. So very close to the time of that event is when John was given this revelation uh, by the Lord as he was exiled on the island of Patmos. It's commonly believed that the John who wrote Revelation is the disciple or the apostle of Christ that walked with him. Uh, everybody knows who John was. Uh, but the book of Revelation, what it does, it's a fascinating book to study, obviously. And it's, I guess you could say it's been considered to be so enigmatic and often at times so difficult to understand uh, that it's often neglected and something that a lot of, of uh, pastors and teachers and uh, scholars don't want to dive into too much. Um, I believe, especially for the times in which we're living right now, that we should be very much interested in the book of Revelation, because it seems like so much of what the book of Revelation talks about is happening now in the world around us and at this point in time. But what it does is it gives us an overview of theology and symbolic images of history 
and the future as God's plan of the for the salvation of mankind is played out. That's really what Revelation does. It's like a big picture of God's plan of how things are going to work out in the past, right now, and in the future. Now, there's, I believe, four different views of how to look at Revelation. And the first one is what's called a preterist view. And that means that you look at Revelation from a first century setting, um, and uh, you believe that most events that are talked about in Revelation already took place close to the first century after Christ's resurrection. Um, that's not a belief that I hold on to. Honestly, it's not a belief that, that, a, that very many have held on to down through the history of the church. Uh, but it is a view that some have had on the book of Revelation. Another view of the book of Revelation is the historical view, that it's the long chain of events from Patmos to the end of history, from the time that John was given the revelation to the end of history. Um, I believe that in a sense, but I believe it goes before Patmos, obviously. I think it's an, an explanation of creation completely, not just from that point when John was given the revelation. Uh, there, there's the idealist view of revelation, uh, reflecting the ageless struggle between God and the forces of evil. That I very much would agree with, uh, reflecting the ageless struggle between God and the forces of evil. Uh, just so you know, a couple of these in, of these uh, definitions I got from the Amplified Bible, I thought they were very concise and made a lot of sense. And then there's the futurist interpretation or the futurist view of the book of Revelation. Uh, interprets the first three chapters as historical, with the remainder awaiting fulfillment during the Great Tribulation and the establishment of the everlasting kingdom. So my personal view of Revelation is sort of a mix of these last three. I don't really believe, I guess you could say of all four, the preterist view that it's a, it mainly applied to events taking place in the first century. I believe that some of the things that are written in Revelation did happen in the first century, especially the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem that Jesus prophesied that ended up happening in AD 70. So that would have been just 20, so, 20 or so years um, uh, before John wrote this. So I believe that that had already happened. Um, obviously, it is historical, and it talks about the events of history. Um, I, I cling most closely to the idealist view that it reflects the age of struggle between God and the forces of evil. And as we go through this, I think you'll understand why I hold that view. Um, and I also think it shows us what's going to happen in the future, obviously. So it's a very important book, regardless of the view that you hold or the way that you want to interpret it. It's a very important book for us to study and to understand. So I'm very excited to get into it. One point I did want to make is I, I, I look also at Revelation as cyclical. I think John was given views of the way history was going to be played out, the way the church was going to move through history in, in different ways. And I think that we have seen prophecies in Revelation maybe carried out historically 
in more than one instance and will probably happen again in the future, but maybe with more intensity. So a lot of this we'll get into as we move forward. And like I said, I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, study. I'm very excited to be diving into it. I've already uh, pulled out a ton of notes from, from previous years that I've gathered, and I'm doing a lot of new reading and studying as I decided, you know, that I want to look at, at moving into this book. So I pray that it, it'd be a blessing to everybody that hears this. Um, by studying Revelation, we're strengthened, we're edified, and we are inspired to be watchful. And I think you'll see that as we move forward. One point I think that's very clear before you get into the book of Revelation is to make sure that you're looking at it in the proper context. What is it talking about? What is the focus and the purpose and the central figure or character of the book of Revelation? And the answer to that is that the central figure and focus of the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ. The book is about him why he came, why he did what he did, why he died for our sins, and how God's plan of salvation centered around Jesus Christ has been played out, is being played out, and will be played out in the future. So very important thing to understand. And as we know, Christ is the lamb who provided redemption for those he came to save. He's the judge and he's the victorious king. And we see that theme all through the book of Revelation. Um, his kingdom will be established eternally, and we'll learn about that. A, a, a Revelation gives us a chronological, or like I said, a cyclical view of history, which is the playing out of God's plan of salvation, again, referring to Jesus Christ. And one thing that I think is really beautiful that we're going to see as we move through this book is that all the promises of the Old Testament and the New Testament are fulfilled in Christ's eternal kingdom that we learn about from the book of Revelation. So let's look at these first three verses that we're going to just uh, look at today. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants, the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it, communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. So a very powerful introduction we have right at the beginning of the book of John. And this is what's called the prologue, verses 1, 1 through 3, to the entire book of Revelation. So let's look at Revelation 1. I just want to look at this uh, in, in chunks here. Revelation 1.1. 1, 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants, the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. Now, last week I gave you uh, a definition of the book, uh, a definition of the book, a definition of the term Apocalypse, And really what Revelation is, is it's the apocalypse of Jesus Christ or the apocalypse of God's plan of salvation worked out through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the definition for apocalypse here where it says the revelation would be the Greek word apocalypsis. And the definition of that from the Greek is laying bare, a disclosure of truth 
concerning things before unknown, used of events by which things or states or persons hitherto withdrawn from view are made visible <coughs> to all. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, we're seeing what's being exposed to us, what's being revealed to us is more a deeper understanding, a deeper revealing of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And like I said before, again, how the plan of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ for humanity is played out in history. So it's a very exciting book when you really start considering these things. So, so that's a definition of the revelation. It's Greek apocalypsis, to reveal, to lift the lid off of. And you'll see a little bit why that's actually very fascinating when we, can, when we consider what was written and prophesied by the prophet Daniel thousands of years before this. So it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. So where it says that, I want you to think about the fact that all the mysteries of creation are revealed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And a good way to visualize that is to think of Calvary, to think of the cross, and consider that all of creation, all of history, all of time centers and rotates and is focused on the cross of Christ. So you've got the past moving forward, prophesying about the coming Messiah. The Messiah comes, he's crucified, we have the cross, and then the future continues past that. So you've got B.C. and A.D. That's why we have those. But everything revolves around the cross of Christ, and it is the center he is the center of creation, of time, of everything. So if you ever want to answer a question, why are we here? What is creation for? It will always come back to the person and work of Jesus Christ. It will always center on the cross. So everything rotates around the cross of Christ. And that's how the book of uh, Revelation is set up as well. So all the mysteries of creation are revealed in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now I'll give you a couple verses that exemplify this from the New Testament. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. Exactly what I was just talking about. In Christ, all the prophecies, all the mysteries began to become visible. He is the culmination of all of that. Ephesians 3.9, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. Jesus was the revealing of those mysteries. Now, again, before I refer to Daniel 12, to the prophet Daniel, I apologize, I don't have this on the screen because I just wrote this in a few minutes ago before I started recording. But if you look at Daniel 12, 4, Daniel is given all these amazing visions symbolically of what was going to take place in the future or in the latter days. And after he was given these visions, he was commanded in Daniel 12, 4, it says, but as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. So Daniel was told that he would not have, personally, a, an understanding of the things that he was prophesying about, that he, had be, that he had seen, the visions that he had been given, symbolically, of the future. It just said to write them down, 
record them, and then seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Is that not a bit of a picture of the modern world? Many will go back and forth. Busyness, movement. We have a hyperactive society. See, at the time of Daniel, you didn't have that in the world. People were much more segregated. You didn't travel between countries as much. That's not the case anymore. I mean, I've been to Africa three times just in the last year. That would have been unheard of probably in those times, you see, to travel to the other side of the world so easily. So many will go back and forth, but this is the one that's really interesting, and knowledge will increase. What do we have with the internet, with technology, with social media? I guess you could say we have knowledge, a vast majority of it. I don't even like to call knowledge. It's just sort of mental noise, um, uh, mental garbage that, that is spewed out. But I guess you could say there is knowledge that can be had, that is readily had, and knowledge is increasing at a radical rate in the world right now because of technology and because of social media. And you can basically find the answer to just about any question you have by simply going on the internet. You know, when I was a kid, if my dad and I were working on a car, you had to troubleshoot it. Car's not running right. Is, is, is there an airflow problem? Is there a fuel problem? Is there an electric problem? You had to go through and sort of figure it out. Sometimes you'd go buy parts. You'd come back and realize, no, that wasn't the right part. We still didn't get it. A lot of that no longer takes place because if there's a problem, what do you do? You go to YouTube and you start figuring out how other people that have had that problem fixed it. So it's a, it's, it's a great tool that way. So knowledge is increasing, but what is not increasing? Wisdom. And in the Lord, we have knowledge of how he does things. We have, we'll gain knowledge of the gospel, but really what we're blessed with is when we have wisdom of God. And he gives us a wisdom that we can only have if we're blessed with it by and through the Holy Spirit. So, but as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Now, what's fascinating about this and the book of Revelation is I believe that we are in the end of time. So the things that were concealed from the time of Daniel are now being revealed. And the things that have been difficult to figure out from the book of Revelation are now being revealed. And starting to make sense. So that's why this is such a fascinating study, you see? So it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants. Who are his bondservants? He's talking about the elect, his chosen ones, which he came to save. He's talking about the elect. And then he says, uh, The things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. Now, the John that he's talking about, it's believed is the beloved disciple, the apostle of the Lord. He walked with Christ. He's considered to be uh, Christ's closest disciple, closest apostle, the one that he had the closest relationship with while he was here on earth. This is the John who this revelation was given to. Now, to give you an example of how close their relationship was, <clears throat> I'm going to share with you John 19, 25 through 27, where Christ has been tried. He's been found uh, fraudulently guilty 
through an illegal trial. He's been tortured. He's suffered horribly. And he's hanging on the cross and he's dying for the sins of those that he came to save. And then if you look at John 19, 25 through 27, it's a very uh, touching portion of scripture when you consider how powerful and strong the relationship between John and Christ must have been. Because it says, therefore, the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her, took her into his own household. So Christ and John were so close that when Christ knew that his time had come to leave this world, he wanted John to be the one that took care of his mom. He wanted him to become his mother's son. That is a very, very close relationship. So I think that's very important because it gives us a little bit of the uh, context of the mindset of John and the love that he had for the Lord. And then he was blessed to be given this vision when he was sentenced to exile on the island of Patmos for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, just a very interesting way to consider the things that we're going to learn from the book of Revelation. Now, something else that's very interesting, again, is to get back into the book of Daniel. And I want to share with you a little bit of the things that Daniel was shown through vision that he really fully didn't understand, but now are coming to fruition at this point in history. Let's look at Daniel 2, 28 through 30. And really what it is, is what we find here is the initial prophecy of Revelation 1.1 is in Daniel 2, 28 through 30, and then verses 45 through 47, which you see on the screen. Daniel 2, 28 through 30 says, however, there is a God in heaven. Now notice these words, who reveals mysteries. This is what's happening with the book of Revelation. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. I believe that's these times. And I believe also the latter days were referring to the time when John wrote the book of Revelation. Because if you look at the long scope of history, that 2,000 years from the time John wrote that book until now is not that big of a gap in history, big of a, of a time span in history when you look at how long God's creation has, has been in existence, you see. So I believe the latter days started at Christ's ascension and they're culminating now. That what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man. But for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. And then look at Daniel 25, 45 through 47. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. So they didn't know exactly what these things referred to. Daniel was able just to interpret the dream for Nebuchadnezzar and explain to him that you have been given visions of events that will happen in the future. But they weren't explained clearly. He was given symbolic vision. And I believe that now we are moving into times and we've been moving into times for the probably the, flat, the last hundred years or two that are truly culminating in the end times that Daniel foresaw and that John foresaw in the book of Revelation. So Daniel was given these visions. It said, seal this up to the time of the end. John was given a vision was which was which was basically telling us that the things that Daniel was told to seal up are now being revealed, are being opened. And that's what's happened in the book of Revelation. That's what we see there. You see? Daniel refers to what will come to pass in the latter days is his reference. John changes the wording to which must soon take place. In Revelation, God is conveying to us through John that today is the last hour, the time of the mystery that was concealed from Daniel. But again, you've got to look at things in God's time frame and not man's time frame. This, I believe that this entire period from the cross until the time in which we are now are the end times, but at the end of it, it is very intense. And that's when things uh, become more intense and become uh, more visible and more easy to see if you have the wisdom to see it and if you've been given eyes to see and ears to hear. So I believe that's that's what we're experiencing now. Look at John 1, 2.18. Or John 1, 2, 18. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that is that it is the last hour. And nobody can argue the fact that since John wrote that in 1 John, that Antichrists have continued to appear. I mean, I think the greatest symbol we have of an Antichrist in the world today is probably the Pope. And it's been that way um, for quite some time. But there's also been other antichrists that have appeared. And the spirit of antichrist we see very much at work in the world today. And really what we're talking about with current events, with what we see happening politically in America, what we see in the book of Revelation and all throughout the Bible, to bring it to its simplest explanation is you're seeing the, the battle of good and evil, God versus Satan. God is the victor. Satan already knows he's defeated and he's in a rage and he's doing everything he can to try to thwart God's plan of salvation. He's trying to stop the gospel message and he's been at it since the beginning of time. You see that in the book of Genesis. You see? Let's look at Revelation 1 verses 2 and 3. So in verse 1, just to reiterate, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John. Then he continues in verses 2 and 3, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. 
Now, this is where it gets really interesting. I love this at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Very, very beautiful verse and a very important verse for us to understand as we move into the book of Revelation. Revelation is the only book of the Bible that speaks of a blessing for reading, hearing, and heeding what is written in it. Now, does that mean it's the only book with for which that applies? No. You could easily make the case that every book blesses us for reading, hearing, and heeding what is written in it. Every book in the Bible. But I believe that there's something very special about the book of Revelation, and that's why the Lord told John to write what we have in Revelation 1-3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. So I, I truly believe that Revelation has an extra power with it. There's something very special about it, and... Uh, it's why I think I love the book so much, and I think it's something that we're all going to be blessed by as we move forward in this study of it. Revelation conveys God's pronouncements of judgment on those who are faithless, and we're going to see this all through the book. But he also tells the faithful that they are and will be blessed, and we'll see all of this as we move through the book. And I want to give you some examples of it from the book of Revelation right now. Let's just look at this group of verses from the book of Revelation talking about the blessing that is received by those who study the book. Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so, they, so that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow with them. So he's saying if you are blessed, if you die and you are a believer, that is a blessing. Because you go to rest with the Lord. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. Your clothes, your armor of truth. You're awake. You're staying armed. You're serving the Lord. You're striving to learn about him and to be engaged in the battle of the gospel. That's what it's talking about. That is a blessing to be in that state, which we are brought into by the Holy Spirit. Revelation 19, 9. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Those that are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb are who? The chosen elect that Jesus came to save. We are blessed. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. We will be resurrected with Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Revelation 22, 2, and then verses 7 and 14. In the middle of its street... On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates 
into the city. So all through the book of Revelation, we are told that those in Christ are blessed in so many ways. So it's such an inspiring book. It's such a, a beautiful book to read. Uh, it's just, I love the book of Revelation. And like I said, I'm so excited that we're going to be diving into it. So I'm going to close with this question and then a, a quote from a book uh, that I like that, that talks about some of these things we're going to be discussing. Why study the book of Revelation and the prophecies that it contains? Like I mentioned earlier, down through the history of the church, there have been individuals that have been so frustrated trying to figure out the symbolism of Revelation that they just ignored it. Martin Luther spent a large, if I remember correctly, a large portion of his career. Um, he never paid attention to Revelation because he just figured he would never be able to figure it out. I did hear later in his life, he finally dove into it and he was blessed with some understanding of it. But that's fascinating to consider. But ask yourself the question, why study the book of Revelation and the prophecies it contains? Because it's full of prophecies of the future and symbolism. And one point I want to make before I get into this quote is, and I'll, and I'll probably hit on this often, you have to understand that Revelation is written in apocalyptic language. It's symbolic. And we always we all understand that the Bible is the literal word of God. So the way I look at it is any book of the Bible, up until we get to the book of Revelation, we are to read literally unless something is obviously symbolic or we are told it's symbolic. Then we know that this, okay, this is a symbol and this is what it symbolizes. You see, Revelation is apocalyptic, so it's symbolic language. We need to look at it symbolically unless we are clearly, unless it is clearly literal or we are told to take it literally. I think that's a good rule of thumb as we go forward. But again, why study the book of Revelation and the prophecies it contains? I've got a great quote that answers this from a book called uh, Earth's Earliest Ages by George Pember. And in the introduction to that book, he says, lastly, the study of prophecy reveals to us the mind and will of God. Is it not a duty to become minutely acquainted with all this, to meditate on it continually, to shape our wishes, hopes, and aspirations from it, to bring our whole mind into accordance with it, to use our every endeavor to spread the knowledge of it among men, and so to prepare ourselves and others for that new order of things into which we either must enter individually at the unknown time of our death, or may enter simultaneously at any moment by the long-expected return of our Lord and Savior. I think that is a great explanation of why the book of Revelation is such a, a blessing for us to read, and such an edifying book. We will gain so much knowledge and wisdom from it if we're really praying that the Holy Spirit will lead us through it. Next week, we will continue more in the book of Revelation. Uh, one thing I wanted to tell you guys is uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and you search The Way Ministry Church, uh, you'll see our logo there with the Kenyan shield. Um, uh, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, we've been uploading videos for probably three or four years now. So there's a lot of different sermons on there, probably a couple hundred. Um, the reason I bring that up today is because as I'm working through a series, it's a good idea to be subscribed to the YouTube channel because you can, if you miss something, you can go back and watch it. 
Um, if you have a question about a previous sermon, you can go back and watch it. Um, it just helps tie the whole series together. So again, go to YouTube the way and just search the way ministry church and you can subscribe there. Uh, just like every week, um, we need all the support we can get. The ministry continues to grow in Kenya, and now it's really starting to grow online a lot, which is a huge blessing. It's great to see that we're we're getting more and more people that are joining with us online. So if it's at all possible, please help support the work that we're doing. Just go to the way, the letter R, 122.org, and you just click on the donate page there, and, and you, it'll explain everything. Um that's all I have for today. I know today was a little bit shorter. I just want to give an introduction to the book of uh, Revelation and just go through the prologue. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send, feel free to send them to me at chat at the way, the letter R122.org. Um, I would love to be able to answer questions or respond to any uh, concerns or problems that anybody has. Um, via email or if you want me to discuss something uh, during the Sunday sermon pro broadcast on Facebook Live, I'd be glad to do that. So uh, God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today. And we will be back here next week, same time, one o'clock mountain time on YouTube Live, the way r122.org. God bless.